Rushing through me, thousand lights and giving to the stereo heart. Be never moving, feel the heat of the engine. Take us to the neon lights, so bright, yeah. Running for the neon lights, so opportunistic. Neon lights, so bright, yeah. Living for the neon lights, so far in the distance. Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros podcast. Nick uh, is with us. It came quicker than uh, usual because uh, the last uh, episode with him was a little late. Back into the mix. How have you been the past few weeks? Oh, uh, you know, um, pretty much the same. Just, just working, just doing the usual thing. I've been kind of experiencing a lot of the smoke and kind of the insanity of the fires here in California. I'm in Santa Cruz, and uh, we have fires in the mountains pretty close to us and also below us and all around us. So for most of the last couple of weeks, it's been like pretty putrid out there in the air. If there's just been ash, my car's covered in ash. And when you go outside, you inhale. It smells like, it oh, smells wow. like a campfire kind of. I mean, today actually was pretty good. There was blue sky. But last week and maybe the week before, whenever that was, uh, pretty terrible. So, you know, if it's not the pandemic, it's a, the fi- raging fires or something. So whatever. Apocalypse full speed ahead for us. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like the apocalypse or something. Otherwise, I'm vertical, so yeah, I'm fine. Except for when you're sleeping. (laughs) Except for when I'm sleeping, yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you been uh, working on any creative things? Yeah, what what creative things have you been working on? Mm, uh, Not a whole lot. I um, finally actually had some work to do. I uh, photographed a wedding last weekend. Which was interesting, you know, given the time of the, uh, it's like a COVID wedding, right? So originally it was supposed to be like 125 guests and then they couldn't do that, of course. They ended up with like 20 or 25. And then after the ceremony and a brief thing of speeches, half of those people left and the dinner was like basically 10 or 15 people, just family. And uh, I still was there for like eight or nine hours and I still did all the photos and stuff. It was definitely kind of different, you know, doing that whole thing and not having so many people there. It's kind of nice. I think that the couple actually ended up enjoying that it wasn't huge because they could spend time with a lot of the people instead of just saying hi to a couple people, never yeah. seeing them again. So that was interesting and I'm glad to, you know, actually have something to do and, you know, I haven't had any photo work for a long time. So it's kind of cool to get back at that. I'm excited to see the photos from that. I sent off the film. I, I used only film for that. So hopefully I'll get those photos back this coming week and hopefully they turned out well. Did the fires affect uh, any of the pictures? Mm, uh, yeah, actually, I, th- I think in the not not of the close-ups of the people, but in the in the background, if we did it at a winery up in the mountains, kind of in Aptos, and uh, if you look out in the in the backgrounds of the pictures and stuff, it's going to look kind of foggy. But that wasn't fog; that was fire smoke. So the whole day, you know, it did smell pretty smoky. And uh, what I thought was kind of funny was that the couple themselves were he's a firefighter and she's a nurse and they had happened to get married during the covid <laughs> pandemic and the week of the wildfires in, in california so it's like and then i guess both, both of them had taken like a week off and so all their co-workers are like really you guys you guys too are getting married right now and when we all need you there so i don't know i, I just thought that was kind of funny but you know, yeah good good for them for continuing to, for still you know just deciding to get married anyway but uh you know cool couple yeah yeah it's poetic yeah those pictures are kind of symbolic of their professions yeah a little bit i know 
But That's interesting. I, I don't think they could have imagined uh, the kind of year it would be. You know, last year when they hired me and they were planning their wedding, everything seemed so normal. Now here we are. But whatever, we keep on keeping on, I guess. So how was your week, Trevor? Oh, it was good. I uh, woke up 6 o'clock or earlier to get to work at 6 o'clock, like half the week. So that was uh, kind of unusual. Sounds brutal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I went running this week and just been keeping up with that. I like uh, trying to keep my pace around 20 minutes or so. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been re-listening to a lot of music at work since... Uh, uh, in the morning <laughs> it's easier to just like put on music and no one's like yelling at you because it's like kind of slower and uh, less people just running around and stuff so do you guys get there early and then it doesn't it doesn't open for a while like do you have some time before orders start and you, you're just like opening the store is that when you do the music we start orders at like six thirty, but everything's still drive through so it's not like uh there's only a few people that come to drive through at once in the morning. It's not like a big rush in the morning, so it's kind of slow. I have like a couple of things I have to like grill chicken and like fillet other meat so I can get it ready for the day. So during that time, I could just like put on music and listen to it. Yeah, that's cool. Do you listen with your earbuds or? No, I I have to like hear what they need, like which kind of chicken if they need like some fried chicken or grilled chicken you know chicken chicken uh-huh yeah so everybody has to hear it <laughs> yeah everybody gets to hear it because it's probably good shit yeah <laughs> i mean they they put on their own music they have like mexican music in the back and then sometimes someone else puts on like rap music so i mean each for their own mm-hmm. it's funny i remember one time i was driving in watsonville and i had uh Richie, my friend in the the passenger side, and like <laughs> we stopped at a stoplight, and the person next to us was playing like rap music really loud, and I was my windows were down, and I was like, well, fuck that, so I turned up the metal really loud, and Richie was like, no, no, stop, we're gonna get shot, and I'm like, wow, I don't know what that says about everything here, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did get um, my Pixel Buds finally, so I, I've been using those a lot during runs and. I'm using them now to record in this phone call, so yeah, it's pretty nice. And all your things are charged and your laptop isn't going to die? Oh, uh, it's not charged, it's <laughs> charging, so that's good. Okay, okay, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like them because uh, they fit pretty well. They don't fall out like I would expect other uh, wireless buds to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they char- it's like a charging case that looks it's more circular, more like oval shaped than a uh, flossing. What is it called? <laughs> <laughs> Dental floss. Yeah, it's like a little rounder than that, uh, and it, you can char- wirelessly charge it. So I don't know. It's pretty cool. I like it all. I finally got my color. I wanted the green one. So now I have my green phone, my green earbuds. <laughs> Good. You gotta be on brand. Exactly. I I can't just go for white black or whatever the quality is decent the quality of the music is good you can like put up the bass a little bit if you want um they also recently updated like last week they had a pixel update that added a few more features i i guess they didn't have it before they had like a 
attention alert so you can like set um like if a dog's barking or like uh emergency vehicle siren or like a baby crying and like turn down the um noise cancellation or adjust the audio uh volume so you can hear it you can disable the touch controls if you wanted and then they added in like uh a couple of voice commands for um the earbuds to know like what battery percentage is at or whatever and yeah there's just a bunch of cool little features they added into it i i did notice that they do cut out just a little bit like for a split second and then come back but besides that it's pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah i got a, some skull candy in the ear like buds and uh yeah <laughs> they easily fell out so it's kind of weird how some designs are good with that and some are not. <laughs> Another thing I was thinking of buying is called uh, Whoop. It's like a smart uh, wristband and it'll track your health and help you work out your potential and track things and stuff. And I was surprised that uh, Amazon made a product that's kind of similar it's like a wristband thing without a clock or a touch screen like uh whoop didn't you get an apple watch so what does that thing do that the watch doesn't um it'll analyze um your workout uh, effort and help you uh, push your to your limits <laughs> it analyzes your uh like oxygen usage hmm. and helps you push a little more that's cool yeah i always wonder now with like for people who already have a, like a smart watch or like an apple watch how much value those additional devices would have because like they i guess if they do oxygen level that is one thing but other than that for like movement and calories um you know like a watch already kind of does all that stuff yeah, the the whoop uh, wristband. It's for like uh, high performing athletes, like world class athletes. So uh, it's kind of been hard for me to decide to do that because I am not really <laughs> like pushing myself very hard. <laughs> Some of the yoga sessions that I've been doing have been uh, pretty kind of hard. But uh, I don't think it could come any close to the world-class athletes. The Amazon uh, wristband is not designed for, like, world-class athletes or athletes, like, at all. I don't think it's more for the casual people. The product is called Halo. And... I don't really like talking about Amazon and their products because most of the time their products have Alexa in it and they're just trying to get you to buy more stuff. <laughs> but this Halo um, wristband does not have Alexa in it, so that's uh, nice. This uh, Halo technology, it kind of seems like it's from the future, some weird stuff in it. The first one that's kind of weird is that it has a microphone in it, but it's not to 
for Alexa, <laughs> it's uh, to uh, monitor your voice and it could sense if you're angry or if you're kind of a depressed and it helps you through those uh, instabilities of life. So they can collect that all and then teach it to Alexa so Alexa can know how you're feeling. Exactly. Amazon is trying to say that they're going to keep all the data private and so you don't have to worry about Amazon using all that data and stuff. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to trust what they say nowadays about data. The second uh, kind of weird futuristic thing is that uh, you take pictures of yourself like you have to wear, be in your underwear for some reason <laughs> and they you take uh, like four pictures of yourself on each side of you and they make they send you a 3d model of yourself and you could control like yeah it'll analyze your body fat percentage and you could kind of see what it's like and what you'd look like if you had less body fat percentage or increase it. <laughs> that sounds honestly kind of like toxic. I think there's maybe one or two people who will use that to good effect. And then most people who will do that and then see the pictures of how bad they look naked because they don't like that. And then they're going to make themselves look thinner yeah. and then just be sad they don't look like that. I mean, I, it just something about that whole <laughs> enterprise seems like it's not... <laughs> I don't know. It seems kind of suspect. I don't know. I don't know if I uh, think that's such a great idea, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird technology. Yeah, I thought it's kind of interesting because uh, Jessica, she's doing uh, CrossFit right now, and she kind of has goals to reduce her body fat percentage, and she's kind of trying to do it just to see how she looks. So if she kind of if she had this technology, she could kind of see herself already without actually pushing herself <laughs> she could like move the dial down to see what it would look like without um doing all that work <laughs> there's a they have a bunch of advanced features and they're hoping to provide more with partnerships with labs and they hope you pay a subscription fee <laughs> for all those extra advanced features of course they do. And they give you health tips and stuff. Hmm. Is this uh, more weird than the LG Wing, Trevor? <laughs> yeah, completely weirder than the LG Wing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know, like, uh, what, how, like, you so you make yourself a 3D model and then you, like, look at yourself and get this person and get, like, ice cream and then you're, like, done for it. <laughs> I mean, it's called looking. It's called getting naked, looking in the mirror, and sucking it in. I mean, that's you know, like, I mean, then then do some push-ups, eat a little bit less. I don't know. I mean, maybe if, if the future is now, then the future is kind of fucked up. I mean, yeah, go on your vegan diet and start walking again. It's not that hard. I had a few shrimp today and broke my veganism, but whatever. You know, tomorrow's a new day. Yeah, the LG Wing. Uh, if you if you've seen like uh, Tony Stark's phone in the first Iron Man, it's basically that like flips up like horizontally uh, instead of vertically or like a laptop. But uh, it seems like you can use it in more than one uh, place. I guess I don't know. 
I guess. Oh, I see. So, like, when you flip it up, you can use it sideways. Like, you can use it in three different positions, I guess. Like, uh, vertical with your long screen, like, the main screen. And then on your side, you have a four-inch display. Or you can, like, have it uh, on top of it. Or have the four-inch display on the bottom. So, I think it's interesting. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> It, to me, it's funny that it looks so much like those older phones, you know, like the in this article that you've linked to. Um, I remember those phones where the, the screen itself would swivel up and you'd have like a physical keypad and then a, the screen would be horizontal above. Like that's a thing from what, 10 or 15, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And then to see that concept applied now, it, mm-hmm. it looks really strange to us because it's because it's we haven't seen that form factor in a really long time. But those things did exist. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to convince a lot of people this is like a necessary thing. But I guess it's kind of fun being now in a time where people are at least trying some new things. Yeah, I like it because uh, now that we were like finally um, getting away from uh, notched displays, we can actually like take full advantage of displays that are um, like uh, they don't have any like cutouts or anything to cover any content. Helps uh, present more different factors and things that maybe before we couldn't have used seems like uh, with this new kind of phone idea LG is coming out with, there's a lot of different things you can add to it. Like the main one they show is like uh, you can have um, Google Maps or something navigating. And on the side, you have your music or you can start a phone call if you get a call coming in. And it doesn't like cover your um, phone, uh, your map, so you still see where you're going and how to get to your uh, destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess for anybody who doesn't have a screen built into their car, it can be nice to have more screen space in your phone. So the rumor specs are to have like the same as the OnePlus Nord, which is a Snapdragon 765G. Same thing as the uh, LG Velvet. So it's like a that's a good phone because it can it can already run two displays at once. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. It should lower cost also to have a mid-range processor. Hopefully not like $2,000 like the rumored uh, Fold 2 that's supposed to come out. <laughs> well, you'd hope by now, too, that we're in a point where you don't need a high, high-end processor to do basic things. You, know, you should be able to achieve web browsing, Instagram, music, and video playback without buying the absolute highest-end phone, you know? Like... Well, I love having a high-end phone because it's super fast and awesome, but I, I, you shouldn't have to get, like, the the top-end thing to be able to do what you need to do yeah, with a phone. I agree. I think that's why uh, I'm actually, like, okay with Google finally going away from flagships because the mid-range uh, is actually, like, pretty powerful now. They can do everything just as well as a flagship without, like, having the extra $300 on it for like gaming capabilities or some random gimmick feature. I would buy it if I didn't have a OnePlus 8 Pro. <laughs> that looks interesting. <laughs> I'll give it six months. Maybe you'll need a new phone. Yeah, maybe six months. Maybe I won't need a new phone. No. Something I was just thinking of earlier was, I don't know if this is the related or just what you, if you've seen it too, but wasn't there a patent recently or a, a tech demo or something for a, the, uh, a kit? Sorry, a camera beneath phone, a screen glass, basically. So you don't, like you said, you don't have a notch or a cutout. And now they can embed cameras beneath the pixels of a display, which I thought was kind of interesting. 
Yeah, that was uh, what. Uh, there's a lot of iterations coming out. I think Xiaomi, um, the big like Apple, the China, has finally come out with like their third revision. Basically, like the the only thing that you can see is like a faint like cut like a uh, outline of where the camera is. But like other than that, it's completely like covered by screen. It's funny that this sounds like the future, um, but in a way, I I distinctly remember. I think it was a, a patent. It was an Apple patent or something from. I have to say it was maybe fifteen years ago or fourteen years ago because I remember specifically. I was listening to a, a, an Apple podcast, and I was like walking up my street, going home one day, and. I was using an iPod to listen to it before the iPhone was a thing. And they're, they're talking about like some obscure technology that there was a patent on for putting the pixels of a camera sensor beneath the pixels of a display. And at the time, I was like, oh, wow, that sounds interesting and cool. And that never happened really until just now when we're starting to get that kind of stuff. But it's kind of funny how sometimes the technology that gets worked on and seems super so futuristic that you'll never see it and it just goes away eventually some of that stuff resurfaces and you know maybe you get it uh just takes a little bit longer than you expect i'm kind of curious to see what the quality of those images are uh you know if if because they have such reduced light from being behind a display that they have to crank up the iso and they end up you know i'm curious about the image quality but honestly if it's good enough for some selfies then that's probably all that matters right now yeah Speaking about like notchless and uh, full screen uh, displays, that's I like how uh, for a couple years, three, four years, finally we're going away from notch displays because our technology has finally caught up to the vision of what we want in phones. Like nowadays, most phones coming out this year have um, the Infinity O displays, like. Uh, OnePlus 8 Pro and the Pixel 4a. Like, instead of having a huge notch, it's just like a little camera uh, cutout. They embed the other sensors they need? Like, how, where, is it just the camera? I mean, don't aren't there other sensors um, that they might need to put behind the display, or they just find another place for those? Um, like, for the... F- yeah, it seems like they're giving up on it. <laughs> Google has given up on their... Uh, oh, you mean, like, the... Sensors. The hands-free, basically, like, controls? Yeah, or anything, because I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, obviously the iPhone doesn't have that, and it's probably not going to have that, but um, they keep kind of a chunky sensor assembly there for Face ID, which is not just, like, analyzing a picture, but has the, the IR dot projector oh, yeah. and the... Um, the special camera for that and stuff so i don't you know like for the for the something like the iphone i think there's a rumor that the notch will be, be smaller than the new ones good. but if they want to keep their face id tech they kind of have to have they have to have more than just a hole punch because they have more sensors mm. up there yeah i mean still not ideal but i guess that's the trade-off because i guess i'm assuming that pretty much every other phone doesn't have that level of face identification they might have like a face unlock using just the camera or something but um i think it's a lot isn't it many fewer phones that actually have hardware for that if you have um face unlock i feel like uh you probably would still go with the notch but it seems like um like uh, oneplus is going through with the the touch display um touch scanner underneath the display so i mean it's still secure and not as secure as a camera but, I don't know, better than having to type in a password every time you unlock your phone. Yeah, there's an interesting rumor that just came out about uh, the next kind of mid-low-range iPad that's going to look like the, the Pro iPads with the 
like basically the reduced bezels, but it's not going to have the Face ID hardware, and it's just going to have a uh, Touch ID built into the like the sleep wake button on the top. That'd be which awesome. Which Apple's never done; they've always done um, the home button. So now, it's, I guess that's sort of like what Android phones have yeah. done for a while, where they've built it into the button, which I guess Apple could do. I mean, it would be fine, but it's uh, definitely a new thing for them if they end up doing that. Yeah, my um, next bit, uh, what was it called? Robin. Yeah, the bit next to it, Robin had it on the side. That's a cool, cool little unlock. Um, uh, what is it called? Yeah, it was a good-looking phone. Also, it had stereo speakers. Like, it was a good-looking phone. I just wish they had. Well, and it was bright, kind of cyan blue, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a, yeah, cyan, turquoise kind of color. You know, green. I gotta get green. And since we're talking about Apple, this uh, last couple few weeks, there's been this huge uh, controversy and war that. <laughs> Epic's trying to take on Apple's uh, tax they have on all apps in the App Store, which I thought was kind of ridiculous that they set it up and they <laughs> went in, changed their um, in-app purchases to go directly to them, and they expect not to be taken out of the store. I don't know. Yeah, it's been interesting because I feel like it's a continuously unfolding. Every few days, there's another response from one of the companies or another uh, something else happens and uh, partly i'm not it's definitely not as interesting to follow as like a hardware announcement or a cool new feature for something this is you know because this is mired in legality right like a lot of this is there's these two this big ghost that hangs over everything is um the sort of anti-competitive allegations against apple saying that their very, the very nature of having the app store, the way they they manage it, is just anti-competitive and it's dubiously legal. And some people are challenging the legality of Apple not allowing other app stores or, you know, or charging that thirty percent or whatever. So that that they've been in they've been uh, in some legal hot water for that recently. So that kind of haunts this whole thing happening. I think that's one of the reasons that they're having this fight right now, because they you know Epic knows that Apple's being scrutinized for that. So if they can get you know, more public sentiment on their side and not Apple's. It might help sway um, regulations against Apple. But it's definitely kind of a big mess. It's interesting to see what happens. I know they just, uh, just recently, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, they revoked the developer account for Epic, so none none of their apps or games or anything are allowed to be in the store anymore. Wow. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and they sent out actually an email to all the people who play Fortnite, and uh, they just blaming Apple, saying Apple doesn't want to allow this, and they... You know, they want to charge 30%, but we don't want to do that. We want to make it cheaper for you. So, you know, and, and you could spin either side, you know. It, are they wrong? Well, I mean, what they're saying is, I guess, true. And it's just, it's interesting to see um, where people would fall on the line. I, I guess I tend toward a little bit of the idea that, yeah, you know, they, Apple's going to charge what they're going to charge. You're on their platform. So either abide by their rules or don't, you know, that's kind of what they're saying. I guess the anti-competitive allegations are saying, well, there is no other alternative on iPhone. So if you want to be on the iPhone, which is one of the biggest platforms that makes the most money, then you have to do this, and then you're locked into it, and it's a losing proposition because 30% is too much. So it's, it's definitely something that's really complex, I think, and so it's really hard to distill this like one topic into, yes, this per- this company's right, this company's wrong. But I do think it's it, it comes off a little petty, I think, because when you actually read into like what's going on, it's not as simple as Epic wants to make it sound. You know, they're trying to make it sound yeah. like, oh, you know, we're the good guys and Apple's just punishing us because they're so huge. And, you know, Apple's a big company and they're not innocent. And they, you know, they have had problems with the App Store before and the, the rules don't apply equally to everybody. So, yeah, there's issues. 
but it still comes off as kind of juvenile for Epic to take their stance. So I don't know. We'll see what continues to happen, but it's it's kind of an ugly thing to watch. But maybe it's a good. thing I think that it's has funny because you know, know Epic know. is a huge gaming company, also, and they uh, they have a store also on the uh, on PC, and they do this all the time. They do like exclusivity. They lock people into contracts, and now they're getting that into Apple. Like I don't know. I think it's oh. funny. Yeah, I thought it was really funny in, in one of the, um, I don't know if it was like a court document or if it was something, but basically one of the, the things they were saying was that um, somebody was telling them, well, on the video game consoles, on like an Xbox or PlayStation, it is basically the same setup. To be in their store, they t- they're going to take 30% yeah. and you're going to put your game on there. And they, they came back and said, oh, it's completely different actually because of the, you know, we get different things out of being on the, for instance, the PlayStation store, we get, you know, the marketing and we get directing and so they basically listed all the reasons why it's different and better, but all of those exactly. things apply yeah. to the Apple app store too. So they're just picking and choosing because Apple's big, you know, and they're Apple's sort of the big bully they want to take on and maybe they don't want to rile up the, the console makers. But I mean, I, I feel like to me, that's a step too far to say, okay, these stores are different and this isn't, I mean, I don't know. They're taking the same percentage. So you can't complain about Apple taking 30% if you're going to, you know, roll over and let Sony take 30%. Yeah. Like um some of the things that like Epic does sometimes is they have like they like poach over like indie developers like hey, like we're like fun like half your game if you like go exclusive on a um on a, st- a game store and like PC for like the first year and then after you can release it to other consoles. I mean like isn't that kind of hypocritical if you're criticizing apple for doing similar things to what you already are like i don't know yeah i don't know like i said i think it's one of those things where i think if they if they think they can say it loud enough that they will win public opinion and maybe even lawmaker opinion but i do think it's more it's more nuanced than that especially when they all when they themselves do things and they work with other companies that do the same things apple does so it's sort of like i could see apple being the position of like really like now you're going to bring this up. Uh, like I said before, though, you know, the App Store does have problems. They've had the fact that they charge that 30% is a big deal for a lot of companies that they don't want to deal with. And they've their App Store rules are sometimes inscrutable and they apply differently to different people. So it's, it's really not great. They really need to like fix the wrong things happening with the App Store. I just think that the this particular fight with Epic is sort of like not the it's not the best way to do it. There's other ways to fight against Apple. There's other big there's bigger problems than what Epic is trying to talk about, you know? So it's like, really, do we want to spend all the effort on dealing with, with your issue about, you know, what you want to do with Fortnite versus, like, let's fix the actual problems that are wrong with the App Store? I am, like, happy that they ruled that it, it was unfair that Apple is, like, banning all Unreal Engine projects on the App Store because that's a lot of indie developers that are just developing their own little game and they have nothing to do with Fortnite or Epic going on this quest to defeat Apple, you know? Yeah, and and it also could be things that aren't even games. There's lots of stuff, you know. Maybe it's a um, simulator or something. I don't know. It could it could be anything that uses that three that three D engine, right? I mean, uh, I'm just thinking of like a random example would be you know an app that sells eyeglasses and they use an AR to put the eyeglasses on your face. And like let's say they use that engine, then they would they be out of it just because they they have no relation to the gaming world at all. But yeah. they use the technology, right? So yeah, I, I do think that was a step too far. So that's good. But I, and then didn't they also rule that? Um, it was fine for Apple to like, you know, take them off the app store and revoke the account because it was yeah. Apple's, <laughs> it's Apple's garden. So 
I guess we'll see how that unfolds, but it's sort of this, I don't know, it's a big mess that's like, it's both really interesting because it could mean huge changes if depending on how these things get ruled, but it's also just kind of annoying to, to hear this constant back and forth. It's so it seems like the way the way it sounds when they talk about it, the actual companies and these letters, it's like, yeah, it just seems kind of juvenile. Like, let this play out professionally in a court or something. But then when you are sending these letters out, and it's funny because you know Apple's not going to do that. Apple's not going to send an email out to everybody who plays Fortnite and blame Epic. That's definitely a move that Epic's going to do. Apple's just going to stay silent and do their Apple thing. So, I don't know. We'll see We'll see who gets blamed more. You know, Maybe all the people who play Fortnite are going to get really mad and all the kids are never going to buy iPhones again. That's possible, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, or they'll just go on eBay and buy a $5,000 uh, Fortnite uh, Apple phone. You know, I th- I thought about that because for a while, uh, remember when ha- what was, was it? Uh, Flappy Bird. Flappy yeah, Bird. Thing. Flappy. <laughs> yeah, no, I had Flappy Bird on my phone, and I was like, do I want to make a quick <laughs> buck? Because I could put this on eBay right now. Yeah, little uh, children might ask their parents for like a gaming phone. Those really nice gaming phones. Yeah, maybe they get like iPhone now. <laughs> Which is funny too, because those phones are pretty good, but ultimately, like. It's sad because, um, you know, the hardware in, in the iPhones is basically the fastest. Like, the, I'm sure the games probably ran yeah, that's true. Yeah. the best or or up at the best with, with the iPhones, the newest ones. So it's like, I mean, in a way, it's, it's the people who lose are just the people who play Fortnite. Yeah, go, I don't know, play something else. I don't know. Like, uh, Suddenly, PUBG has more players. <laughs> yeah, PUBG can play uh, 60 frames per second on the OnePlus 8 Pro. There we go. Speaking of releases this week and games that you should play, uh, they finally came out with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the remaster, I think it was yesterday. I was thinking about buying it. Um, there is a couple articles. Don't you love that game? I love that game, yeah. Uh, it seems like uh, it's very um, generic port from uh, the GameCube version over to uh, mobile and Switch. So it's not like the greatest port yet there's a lot of problems people are saying like you can't use physical controllers or uh, it's region locked so if you have a u.s uh like if you pick your region u.s you can't play with asian um like communities or servers so it's not truly like um a global game but uh i don't know i'm happy i'm glad it's finally out i'm probably gonna get it I like it because um, to play the game, you only have to have one person to buy and everyone can just jump in and play online co-op and just go on with you on the different dungeons. So it's pretty cool. It seems like it's $26. Yeah, I was saying about... Uh, I was going to say that I missed uh, playing you on Pokemon on the Switch because it, uh, I have to pay like a subscription to use the internet access for some reason. It's nice that Final Fantasy lets me play with you without buying the game or paying a subscription or something. Yeah, if you download it on your um, iPhone, you can just link up to someone in the US if you have the same region and play with them. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Crystal Chronicles, Nick? Yeah, I remember playing it. The old game. I don't think Nick ever played it. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Oh, me? I, I didn't really play it. I think one of my friends may have played it, but I was, uh, I don't know, I guess I just wasn't into it or didn't really, maybe I never played it once to get into it. Kind of like a gauntlet-style game. You go around, go through dungeons and kill monsters at the end of the boss and then, like, get you. Uh, yeah, no, maybe. 
Yeah, it's like Final Fantasy themed, and it's like you can like uh, merge together different spells to make bigger ones. <laughs> I could be into that. I played the hell out of Gauntlet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Maybe you can play it sometime. Are there chocobos? Have you played any Final Fantasy games, Nick? Uh, yeah, I played fif- fifteen. Right, that was the the recent one. Yeah, with the Noctis. Forget the number. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually liked that one a lot because I like the real time combat. So I thought that game was actually pretty great. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot, but I haven't. Really, I don't really have much experience with the other ones. Oh, okay. I played some Kingdom Hearts, which is like tangentially yeah, related. Yeah, <laughs> like some characters in there. Slightly. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'll probably buy that sometime soon, and then maybe uh, some of you guys can join in on some dungeons. I don't know. I might be too busy playing Tekken. Oh, yeah, like that game you uh, bought a few weeks ago and still haven't played. Yeah, I need to take it out of the package. I wonder where that Amazon bag went. I mean, it was like 12 bucks. Why not buy it? But now I'm like, fuck, maybe I should actually no, play it. No, you have to beat uh, Red Dead first, you know. I don't know. Finish this train. I do. I've been kind of getting back into Red Dead. It's a really good game. Like, it's like, do I want to play Tekken or do I want to have a couple hours of cowboy time? Like, mm, I don't know. You got to finish this train battles. I don't know. I feel like cowboys are... Uh, a little more exciting than fighting and spoiler uh, cowboy time usually wins his name? the guy with the weird uh beard <laughs> and the hard decisions <laughs> hiking or something well i mean it's basically cowboy dress up because you get a weird beard and red dead too but then you can go to the barber shop and shave it off so it's basically like a life sim except cowboys yeah get a horse make it a horse game hey nick have you uh have you seen the the vertical video advertisements that uh, apple's been doing um there's like are they just on mobile or what yeah on mobile there's one where there's like uh cowboys doing like a duel fine i think maybe i did see that it sounds it sounds kind of familiar i don't know but um yeah i think i saw something about like oh yeah they did a i forget they called what they called the campaign it was like vertical cinema or something where they i was actually kind of impressed because it said it was shot on an iphone a lot of the video looked pretty good but yeah i think i remember that yeah it seems like it'll be expansion of the Apple TV Plus or something. I mean, I don't know if it or just if it was just an advertisement for how good the video is coming from the iPhone because it said shot on iPhone. So I wonder if it was just sort of a generic iPhone ad, um, or if it was for something else. But I do think it's funny how a lot of people have a big chip on their shoulder about vertical video and how it's just so terrible <laughs> and vertical video sucks. But I don't know. Like, may, do, am I weird in thinking that those people need to kind of grow up and just realize that that we hold our most of us are holding our phones vertically and we don't want to constantly be turning them around? Like vertical video, maybe not for long form, but for like, I don't know. I don't hate it for short form things. I'm, I think I've just gotten so used to it watching stuff um, on Instagram or on wherever that it's I don't know. It doesn't really bother me as much as it used to. Yeah, and then uh, eventually, before we know, you see like theaters have vertical format. <laughs> yeah no, i don't know about that theaters are gonna be really tall yeah that's the one thing that bothers me is if, if you have to watch a vertical video on a wide screen then that's kind of a bummer so not not great if you're like watching it on a tv or something unless your tv is really big then you can still see it like i think vertical video on a phone okay fine i'll watch it but everywhere else yeah i'd prefer it to be horizontal did you see those TVs that could rotate? <laughs> Time, I didn't catch that. There's some TVs that are designed to rotate so they could have vertical videos. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was fucking ridiculous. Okay, that was just like, that's one of those CES things that's like, <laughs> oh, let's make this so we can make headlines. But, like, I don't know. I saw, uh, I don't have any, that's not a real thing that anybody needs to buy or that anybody should buy. Like, if you're going to buy that, don't buy that. Stop. Stop. Get a better TV. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you could watch you could watch Quippy and like whatever this new thing is. 
I'm like, I just paused. So I'm trying to think of the best expletive to use against that, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say no. I'm sorry. Dis disagree. <laughs> that takes ten seconds for it to rotate. It's like what? I don't know. I get like those things. Those gimmicks are fun. They're funny to look at, but it's also like great. You know, really, really, this is the best. Like you, I don't know. It's just, it's just like who lets these things out? You know, that's ten seconds for me to stop caring about my TV. I'm like I'm, I'm over it. I don't know. I guess I sound impassioned, but it's just like when you have a company with all these resources and they're thinking, what should we do? That is what people come up with. It's not like some feature that's going to make people's lives easier or better. It's like, oh, let's have this move really slowly vertically so you can watch probably a crappy vertical video. And then let's move it really slowly back to normal mode to watch everything else. I don't know. (laughs) Color me unimpressed. But if if this sets the world on fire and everybody starts doing that, then I guess I'll have to eat my words. But we'll see where that goes. At the beginning of this podcast, I'll be putting uh, a new song that Nick uh, gave us last uh, couple weeks ago. It's called uh, Neon Lights. There's a lot of performers. Some of them design their songs around performance and the lights. Have you ever uh, envisioned like a show or the neon lights or maybe doing a concert? Or something like that for this song? Yeah, I mean, I spend my whole life in my head imagining I'm a rock star. So basically, I daydream all all day about that kind of stuff. (laughs) So of course I have. But really, um, it could be... Yeah, it could be any of that. Like, neon lights at a show, or it could be... I mean, for me, like, the song is more about, like, neon lights in the sort of cyberpunk way of, like, neon lights of a big futuristic city. Neon lights at, at night. The glow of neon lights... Um, you know, in the middle of the early morning when you're walking through the street. Uh, but yeah, I mean, neon lights uh, also could be a performance element. You know, like if you were going to perform that song, you could have those flashes of bright pink and blue, and this that that could all be part of it for sure. I think of it. I think of like in terms of visuals. Just for me, I always think of um, whatever the song feels to me. Sometimes that matches the lyrics. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of went with um, for the song, kind of like you're over it. You're over it wherever you are, and so you see in the sort of the Emerald City in the distance, right? The gleaming. You're you're in the desert, and you're driving toward uh, L.A., and you see those cyberpunk vibes glowing in the distance, and you see the bright pink and blue of the screens, mm-hmm. and uh, you assume it's better there, so you're heading that way. But you know, is it better? I don't know. You, you sell it's we sell we all sell our, sell ourselves dreams of what we think is good. And sometimes there's a kind of a euphoria in finally heading towards something you think is going to be good. Whether it's as good and beautiful as you think it's going to be, you know, it might not be. But um, sometimes in that case, the journey really is better than the destination. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's how it is. Yeah, I got tons of like uh, cyberpunk vibes listening to this. Like, this is definitely like Nick just like vibing it in like a cyberpunk club. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That, that honestly, I have like this song and a couple others. I'm starting to amass this amount of like that's like c- thematically consistent. So I should just get like four or five, five or six of the songs, put out a little EP or something. Finally, put something on Spotify. I don't know. And give me an excuse to take pictures and more leather jackets and cool cars. <laughs> I mentioned to Trevor the other day that I uh, came to work um, on an off day and I walked in and I was merely wearing a t-shirt and some jeans. And one of the people I worked with was really puzzled and looked at me and said nick why are you dressed like a normal person today 
And I, it was, I was, I was like, first off, fuck you, but also second, like, kind of made me proud. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I have such a strong brand that me, me and normie clothes is just too hard to process. <laughs> You've uh, given a couple songs that kind of feel like the songs to dance to. What is your philosophy on dancing and? to music and how have you incorporated how you made songs feel like dancey well i mean i guess it's funny there's dance music as in the the sort of the genre dance music and then there's also music you can dance to and the majority of music Mm -hmm. you can dance to you know there's dances for all kinds of music and then so that's that's its own thing and then there's dance music like capital d genre music and that um it's kind of what's inspiring to me like i'm always inspired by like sort of late 90s to early mid 2000s like cheesy euro style dance beats like dance remakes like that kind of thing i guess just had a big influence on me because i played a lot of dance dance revolution i listened to a lot of lady gaga or something i don't know but that kind of stuff is always i don't know i like it it's it's there's sort of an unabashed fun funness about it that i like you know when you have a really big beat and it's just so over the top it's like, it sort of reminds me of a really cheesy 80s music, except a different feeling. The idea of just going completely over the top and not caring about it. That's what I think some of the best big electronic dance music does. It doesn't, it doesn't always try to be subtle, you know? And that's kind of a fun, interesting thing that's happening in pop music now. That subtlety that's coming out in production and vocals where things are getting quieter and it's more about um, the in-betweens and the rests and the vocal ticks. And some of that stuff is really cool, but once in a while... I just really like to have this sort of glitter explosion of like big beats and detail and layers and walls of sound. So I guess that's kind of how I feel like it. You know, I like, I like that kind of, I like that kind of dance music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really known for dancing. Uh, so <laughs> I don't really have much uh, philosophy for dancing. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'm not a dancer at all. I'm probably a terrible dancer. I never dance anywhere, but I like the music. <laughs> I can pretend. <laughs> Right before the whole pandemic thing, too, I was just about to go to one of my friends and be like, hey, do you want to like go to one of those dancing things they have and maybe actually dance? But then, of course, not really. none of those classes or whatever are happening anymore. But, you know, maybe, maybe one day. But, yeah, no, I, I would never be caught dead dancing because I'm totally not that kind of person, which is funny because I like that kind of music. But I can just listen to it myself and enjoy it. <laughs> For me, dancing is being at a metal show and jumping up and down and screaming. I can do that. Same. Yeah, so the the pop songs that you've given me, I had you singing, and I think you have some pretty diverse style And as you sing. How have you become comfortable singing, and how have you learned singing? Uh, well, I'm still not really comfortable with it, hence the pop music is nice, because you, you have the freedom to do whatever you want with the vocal processing and layering. You know, I, I tend to think that I... I like hiding behind a lot of harmony and a lot of, you know, effects and plugins because one, they sound cool. And two, I think it's easier to carve out a sound that sounds pleasant, you know, for me, because I'm not very comfortable with my own voice when it's just a really dry recording, you know, of like voice and piano or voice and guitar or something. I, you know, I don't have a particularly great voice for that. So with making these kind of over the top pop things, it's, I, I have a lot of fun coming up with the different um the different sounds to shape the vocals into you know and with enough pitch correction and layering you can kind of make anything sound acceptable mm-hmm. i do think uh, I, the only other, i either sound decent like that um 
Or sometimes if I try if I try really hard and like focus, I can sound all right doing like uh, like I, I'm not a classically trained singer at all. But if like if I pretend, I can kind of sound kind of soft and rounded and like you know kind of classically sounding, um, which can sound good for some of the, some of the, when I sing along to symphonic songs. But I don't have any really training or control, so <laughs> I'm not particularly good. But it's always fun. You know, I feel like maybe. It's just getting older. When I was a kid, I would never want to sing at all. But now it's like, well, screw it. You know, if, if I like the output, then it's good enough for me and people can listen to it if they want. I'm trying to get like that more with everything, right? Like put something out there that you're okay with and some people are not going to like it. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to become less and less afraid of things that people won't like, you know, because people will never like everything. So mm-hmm. um, and that, that's not just music. That's with everything. You know, it's no matter no matter what we do. I feel like for me, it's just easier as I get a little bit older, you know, it's, it's hard to tell somebody if you're a teenager to just put something out there and not worry about it. But nowadays it's, you know, fine. There's a part of the dark romance where there's like a lot of voices. Did you sing all those voices or did you have like, like a keyboard or something or something? Audacity. Yeah, that's all me pretty much. Uh, I do have uh, some virtual instruments like choir patches that I can use, but those would just be choir sounds usually or backup singing. But I sometimes I layer a ton of voices. So for some of them, I'll have like literally like 20, 30, 40, 50 little like audio tracks with little snippets of harmonies in them. Um, and you, it's really hard to hear them once I have all this other production there, but I can hear them and I like them. So I, I, I'll record... Uh, I usually record at least three takes of like a main line and I have one um, louder in the middle and then you pan the others to the sides and it makes the sound song makes the sound fuller. I think um, you can't always tell, like you think it might be an effect, but really it's just having the three voices sli- slightly out of sync. Cause they're all just different takes and they're coming from um, different places, you know, from left to right. And then one in the middle, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of little production tricks. And I get those just from like either figuring that up, figuring them out on my own or learning more about um, how other people produce songs. You know, I've re- researched a couple of people that I like, and I hear their their tricks. You know, of how they make, how they produce songs that are cool. So, I try to f- kind of do a combination of stuff that sounds good that I've heard before, and stuff that I just think sounds good that I've come up with. <laughs> but one of my favorite things to do is um, I love, I love vo- like harmonies of things. So I, I really love hearing a, like any song that has really good vocal harmony, and sometimes. The harmonies are merely adequate and they just are functional in there. But sometimes, uh, no matter the genre, you'll hear a song and like the, the harmonies are really well placed. And I think that's really cool. I love hearing multiple voices. You know, um, some genres, they do it with a choir. Sometimes they do it with a group of backup singers. Sometimes it's just the one singer recorded many times. But there's, there's definitely an art in arranging those lines. Sometimes you have counterpoints that really set off the main vocal because they went to a different place and other times they just enhance it because they're you know a few steps away but I'm, I'm really interested in all that i really love i love hearing like songs broken down and just listening to vocals and hearing you know because i've done that with pop songs where you get you download the stems and you only hear the vocals and you you hear things you wouldn't have heard hearing the full production you know you, you don't hear it but it's there and so when you're hearing the whole song later you can pick it out and go oh wow there it is I hadn't really, you, you don't think of it as part of the harmony, but then it, it just, it's in the background and it's enhancing it, which is fun. Have you studied chords so you can know good harmony and stuff? Yeah, I mean, at, at a basic level, mm-hmm. I, I have a little bit of, I have a little bit of theory behind me, but not a whole lot. I'm not super technical. Um, for me, it's like a combination of 
playing something out on keyboard so I can hear how it sounds together. And if it's a vocal harmony, for me, it's just um, maybe playing the line, like the main one, and then kind of humming over it or singing over it until I find something that sounds good. Um, usually it's just going above or below, you know, if, if finding a, something within that same chord or whatever. But um, sometimes it'll be, I'll, I'll come up with like three different melodies that could be like the lead, and then I'll choose one that's the best, and the other ones will then be the background. I don't know. Everybody does it differently. My, my version, my way is not the best way, but really I just listen to it and I... Um, kind of come up with something it's fun mm-hmm. are you working on a new song or are you going to share an older song with us for next time i'm not too sure i um i'll have to double check the things i've had nothing i've had recently is kind of fully formed but um i've been kind of in the mood to try something new so maybe i'll i'll see what i can get to you guys for the next song maybe i'll have something different something more symphonic and fun I have actually, actually, yeah, I do have something I can share with you guys. I'll, I'll give something that's a, kind of a symphonic rock kind of song. I have a, a song that's, to me, it's inspired by uh, the West, <laughs> the great American West, but it's also kind of a symphonic rock, Metal East kind of song, and it's really big and bombastic and fun, so I'll, I'll, uh, we can do that one next. Is that, uh, what was the one that you gave us before, the American Gothic? Yeah, it's, it's similar to that in a way. Um, it's kind of within that genre. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure you're not repeating the songs. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no. Th- this this is the other the other one that, that I'm thinking of now is um, actually one of my favorite ones that I've kind of written because normally I don't put as much emphasis on lyrics, but I really like the lyrics of that song. So hmm. I don't know if I'll have vocals recorded for it, but at the very least, I can share something new next time if we, if you guys want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It's always fun to hear, like... But it's always fun um, that you guys are listening, so thank you for that. I could see, like, your influences. The first part kind of sounds more, uh, like, European, and it goes into pop, and then goes a little metal and dubstep in there, and... Yeah, that was super, super guilty pleasure. I don't even really like dubstep, but... I was like, this is this actually works really well, so I have to do it. But no- normally, I would not be in, super into the dubstep thing. But I let I let myself indulge there. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see how you express yourself in it. I'm <laughs> gonna go back into the topics now. There's like a spaceship that turns into a submarine. Or what? Uh... No, no, no. There's no spaceship uh, turning into a submarine. But it is uh, an idea that they've been thinking about doing. That maybe. In the future, they might uh, come around and put a submarine onto the Saturn, Moon, Titan. But um, before that, they do have a couple other launches that would probably have to come through. NASA already approved sending out a ship that will go and observe the surface of Titan. Titan is the, I don't know if you could say water, but it's like a liquid planet or moon. Isn't it methane? Yeah, it's like a liquid methane and ethanol. That's crazy. The lakes and <laughs> seas are like larger than the Great Lakes. But it's crazy because we know like most of what we know from Titan from the original like ships we sent like 2005. It's crazy because I don't know, I feel like uh, we haven't had any like big uh, observations of like other planets and moons since then except for Mars. So it'd be cool like well, um they say they're going to have a, a new drone that they're sending out. 
2026 that is called a Dragonfly. It's an eight-rotor drone that uh, says it would land on Titan in 2034 to, like, study the chemistry and potential habitability of uh, a number of different locations there. But uh, some of Na- like people want to uh, go to the next step and actually send like a, a submarine. <laughs> it hasn't been officially approved, but there has been like some donations and grants to um, spur the idea of that going. But is it possible? This person says, um, "What kind of technologies are needed?" Uh, he says that the Titan's moon uh, is huge. It's smaller than Earth, but it has only 14% of a gravitational pull. The Titan, like, submarine would, wouldn't have as much pressure and uh, would be able to, like, go uh, to deeper depths without uh, too much, like, uh, thing, I don't know, to prevent technology from, like, crushing itself. They did say a standalone submarine would be, like, 6 meters long and hmm. weigh, like, th- 3,300 pounds for all the communications equipment to talk back to Earth. There's so much that you can learn from like actually going down to this uh, liquid that they don't want to like lose out on this. So that's why they're really pushing that. Hopefully they can get like approval of this submarine. They said it would probably be around like 2035 or 30s, somewhere around there that they'd maybe be able to send it out and arrive at like in 2045. Because it takes about seven years to Saturn. Do they think uh, it might be possible, I don't know, maybe like the chemicals or the atmosphere will mess with the signal or something from the submarine? Well, they said that they, they're looking to do like a nuclear powered, kind of like what the um, original Cassini observer and the Dragonfly will be, would be nuclear powered. They said a solar powered will not work because very thin like sunlight coming from at that distance but they did say that um there are like seasons in titan that that are around like seven years span so that's why they would consider sending like maybe in the late 2030s because it arrive at like their springtime so it's like easier to observe and stuff (laughs) (laughs) they have seven year long seasons yeah so um i mean it'd be cool i don't know if that actually happened but it's an idea that people are hoping to get it out yeah that's a titan submarine yeah in my news feed i saw a bunch of uh smart watches coming out or being developed like uh i spoke about amazon and uh, oneplus might be developing a watch and microsoft might be developing a watch Fitbit announced three new watches this week. They're not as crazy as Amazon's. But it is a little crazy <laughs> because they're going to the their new like flagship smartwatch. They're going to try to monitor your stress by uh, having a sensor that measures the electrical conductivity of your skin and sweat somehow discover how stressed you are from that so that's kind of a interesting weird technology well yeah it makes sense yeah fitbit is kind of uh, pushing the limits of the the sensors and kind of leaving the apple watch behind 
I forgot the other one that they did that Apple Watch didn't have maybe late last year. But now they, I think they have two things. The Versa line has coming out with their third watch. And that watch will have a GPS sensor and the ability to uh, make phone calls. So those are essential <laughs> features, I think. And the Inspire line is got a little redesign yeah i like fitbit but not that much like i had a versa the original one and it kind of fell apart like the first like month of using it the screen like stopped working and then since i didn't have a warranty with best buy or they didn't offer a warranty through best buy i just didn't want to mess with it because i didn't want to like have to go back and forth through fitbit and try to get a new one yeah, when I was looking at smartwatches to get, I looked at Fitbit, but it looked like the um, App Store didn't have that many stuff. <laughs> so you balance uh, watch features and sensors with the App Store. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how Fitbit tries to push hardware and yeah, their App Store is kind of weak. <laughs> What do you think about the Samsung Galaxy Fold, Trevor? The second one. Um, the Galaxy Fold 2 is going to have a good uh, redesign in the front uh, folding screen part. So I'm excited for that. I don't actually know much about it. I'm not super interested in it because it's just ridiculously expensive. But they're supposed to have their second part of the Unbox event September 1st. So we'll learn a lot more about it the next couple of days. Do they usually have uh, two unboxing, or is it just like special for this year? Uh, it's just special. I think they want to like give emphasis to the foldable technology this year because this is like a different, uh, different line than the Z Flip. I hope it's uh, still. They say it's going to be cheaper, original, uh, the initial mm-hmm. launch than the original um, Galaxy Fold. But, I mean, the original one was like $2,000, so hopefully it's <laughs> less than that, 1500 or something, maybe 1600 I don't know. Don't the reports say that it's going to have um, a small, a very thin layer of glass and not just plastic, so maybe that'll help with the scratching? Oh, yeah, and like not accidentally peel off the screen like many uh, <laughs> YouTubers did. Yeah, or puncture the screen just because you have fingernails. <laughs> yeah, when you're starting out a new platform you need to pay for all the molds and work out all the production kinks and all the new hardware for um that you had for production so if they're able to pay a little bit of that down they could be able to uh, reduce the price of it a lot i think probably be a while until we'll see mid-range foldable phones (laughs) in the previous uh podcast i have spoken about uh, alternative solar energies that have been developed and uh, this new uh, solar energy that i'm talking about today it doesn't have a company like i was uh, i would talk about previously but this uh, chemist at uh, cambridge in the uk they've developed a device that could uh, mimic uh, photosynthesis They could take uh, carbon dioxide and water and sunlight and produce uh, 
oxygen and the side effect uh, that would produce uh, energy is the formic acid. Yeah, this formic acid is kind of interesting. What happens is that uh, they have these things called uh, photosheets. Um, this t technology has been around for a while, but this time they were experimenting with the cobalt-based one, and they put some... I don't know how you would make... Uh, <laughs> Um, semiconductor powder, but they, they put some semiconductor powder on uh, the photo sheet and they put a little water on that sheet and uh, the cobalt uh, enables the electrons to interact and oxidize from sunlight and produce this uh, oxygen and formic acid. And this uh, formic acid is uh, pretty interesting because you could collect it and use it as like a fuel you could use it as a fuel directly or you could uh, convert it into hydrogen which uh, I spoke previously also about uh, uh, hydrogen uh, fuel cars I think uh, it could help speed up the process for the hydrogen fueled cars and simplify the process of harvesting hydrogen. It'll make uh, the facilities less dependent on uh, electricity and you could just harvest uh, formic acid straight from the solar energy and convert that into hydrogen. So I think this is, is really promising for the future. I believe that uh, hydrogen cars would be better than electric cars because... Uh, yeah, it's still a uh, battery. It's still electricity that's being uh, stored and not renewed. The batteries are pretty destructive to the earth, as I've said previously. This uh, formic acid can be taken and stored, too. So that's kind of interesting. Exactly. We'll see if a uh, company actually comes up with uh, some product that uses it. Yeah, it's very early days, but they think they could scale it pretty affordably. I have uh, also an interesting thing that uh, to have to do with the uh, light and uh, not being really there, um, not photosynthesis. Growing up, we always were told like, oh, the ninth planet's uh, Pluto, and it goes around and it's like smaller than... Uh, the moon uh that what was it smaller than like some of the moons that some planets had i guess it got ruled out as a planet so after that there's also been a lot of search for a ninth planet um outside of planet the pluto that's been demoted there's always been a theory of planet x being a planet that goes around a slightly different orbit so long and it's not cons consistent so it's harder to find but uh, recently, there's been a lot of theory between astronomers and cosmologists that <laughs> this... Uh, cosmologists? Yeah, that this planet could be some kind of uh, pre primordial black hole. And uh, it's interesting uh, because they've been searching for evidence of this. There's been a lot of like theories, one of them from... Uh, a team in the University of Tokyo 
saying that they have some data that's been captured over some advanced telescopes. It could possibly be uh, a real like black hole just going around. The final piece is, they say, it really came together when we realized that dark matter halos that surround like these black holes would be a way to observe Planet Nine um, because of the X-ray and gamma rays signals. They've been looking for these signals, seeing if there's a moving gamma X-ray thing going around the solar system, and uh, they've been analyzing it. And it seems like uh, they haven't had like complete evidence of it yet, but I guess it's kind of picked up a lot around a lot of scientists that <laughs> it could possibly be true. Um, a lot of them were skeptical because, like, I don't know, it would be kind of interesting to have a black hole just in a solar system sitting around. They say that a uh, population of black holes like this would cause, like, occasional flashes when they have, like, material on their orbit. So that's what they're looking for to, to like, support the theory is a moving gamma ray and X-ray source in the sky. They're looking for a accretion disk just going around the the sun. Yeah, well, I mean, they they see they see like rays, but they I mean they're trying to see if the, it's consistent, if it is like the same thing moving around, uh, if it is possibly a ninth pl- thing that could, could call a planet. It's an interesting theory that they a black hole could be considered a planet. I don't know. I thought it was just interesting because. We grew up, everyone here, we grew up knowing that planet, uh, the ninth yeah. planet was Pluto. And now we're just saying like a black hole could be <laughs> the ninth planet is completely different from what we learned growing up. My next subject is uh, self-driving car oriented. But first I want to talk about this company called the Gores Group. They're known as a SPAC company. Yeah, they do interesting things. I was looking at the companies that they have worked with, and um, the Gores Group actually saved a hostess from going bankrupt and disappearing. So we could still have our Twinkies and Ho-Hos. Yeah, so what I think what happened is that uh, Gores Group bought the hostess when it was about to die so that the company could still remain... uh, keep the same existence as a publicly traded company they separate they call it a reverse merger so gore's group bought hostess and then did a reverse merger so it became hostess again as a publicly traded company recently um there's this company called luminar they Uh, produce uh, LiDAR sensors. They use this reverse merger way. It's a kind of an alternative way of going public as a company because doing an initial public offering takes a lot of work and many months of preparation. But it seems like with the Gores group, Illuminar and Gore's group could merge temporarily and get some funding. Then Gore's group reclassifies Luminar as a public company so it could be traded on the NASDAQ 
in their like initial public offering, they have a bunch of venture companies guaranteeing them uh, 170 million dollars investment in addition to all the people that buy the stock of Luminar. Luminar has been producing LiDAR sensors for the self-driving car divisions of uh, Volvo, Toyota, and Audi. If you don't know what LiDAR sensors do, they um, send uh, millions of laser points per second all over the place so they could map uh, map out virtually the environment that is that the self-driving car is going around so they could see the bicyclists and everybody and know what's going around and stuff there's not many self-driving car companies that are public i think aptive that i spoke about recently is a publicly traded company and this one is going to be a publicly traded company I looked up to see if Waymo is publicly traded, but I don't think it. Is. I don't think it is. Hmm. And yeah, it seems like there's only two like solely dedicated to self-driving that's uh, publicly traded. And the uh, center of a uh, galaxy, Lumina is uh, like a big glowing thing. Not really called Lumina, but. Um, the funny thing is, uh, in the middle of a galaxy, there's a huge black hole there. But um, there's a strange glow, and originally we thought it was like dark matter just like being like destroyed, so it like gives off the glow. But uh, apparently, out of the new research, um, there's other sources of gamma ray emissions that provide evidence that it's not dark matter. So they're trying to figure out what that is. This is for 40 years or so, the leading candidate for dark matter among uh, partial physicists was a thermal weakly uh, interacting and weak scale particle they call. They call those WIMPs, right? I think we talked about this uh, once. And um, says the GCE, which is the Global Center G, G Fixess, which is in the middle of the galaxy was first noticed over a decade ago um, from the Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope and uh, the gamma rays are the highest energy electronic magnetic waves in the universe. They can be produced by millisecond pulsars, neutron stars, colliding neutron stars, black holes, and supernovae. But uh, the problem was that when they were now analyzing these observations. They say uh, all known gamma ray sources were subtracted and we ended up with a glow in the heart of the Milky Way that like couldn't be accounted for. But, you know, when when you don't know something and it's unknown, usually it's something uh, we uh, attribute to dark matter. And that's the name we like give to invisible mass that adds gravity to the universe. Mm-hmm. So usually visible stuff has a uh, effect, but since it's like indirect, um, they don't really know how it affects uh, everything. Since uh, they doesn't give out light, it's hard to analyze. But they say that you can um, detect dark matter through radiation it produces. So that's where WIMPs come in, the weakly interact interacting massive particles. So if these dark matter matters like collide, then it would like explode in a bunch of other particles including gamma ray 
photons, but there was no evidence of these kind of collisions. So kind of like puts down the theory of it's dark matter in the center of the uh, galaxy. So it says, in this paper, we're eliminating dark matter candidates over the favored range, which is a huge improvement in the constraints you put on the possibilities that these are representative of dark matter. Uh, there's very little room left for WIMP annihilation with all the research that we put into it. It says that it's not to say that dark matter in the galactal center couldn't be of some hypothetical massive a WIMP type. Hmm. It's just uh, they ruled out the mass commonly searched for, and then some. Thought that was pretty interesting. That like for years, and we thought maybe it was just this common dark matter that was um, observed uh, previously, but it's not, and we have no idea. <laughs> yep, that's uh, the last subject I have. You haven't spoken much about dark matter. What do you understand that it is? Well. Uh, kind of like what it says in this article, it's basically what they uh, attribute, like, in constellations, sometimes they would have a huge like, amount of mass, <laughs> but um, maybe you don't see the light coming out of it or something like that, and it's uh, dark matter that contributes to the mass because uh, dark matter doesn't put up light that uh, we can see with the visible eye. Another way to think about it would be dark gravity, right? So it's it's really what well, the way to measure it because we can't measure it in any other way is by the gravitational effect it has. It adds to things a, a gravity that is much, I guess the force is a lot higher. So you'd expect there to be a larger mass object there to hmm, to measure, but there isn't. So in lieu of being able to say that there, it, until they can find another reason for there to be an object there, they just call it dark matter. It's, it's really about the gravitational force there, right? You know, like, whether you can measure it with light or not, they can't measure what is actually there. So it's kind of this invisible thing that the only way they can tell that something is there is by the gravitational effect it has. Yeah. And there's been a couple of theories as to, you know, what it could be, but there isn't, as far as I know, there's not, like, a an answer yet, right? They're still working on what the different ways, the different things that, that it could be or the different things that could explain what it is. But they definitely see the effects of it. You can, you can, you can measure the gravitational effect of it. I mean, like, dark matter can be a whole bunch of things, not just, like, one part of science. It's, like, a huge part of, like, anything that we can't see that we know is there could possibly be dark matter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just we thought it was something, and now we have to reconsider what what is true, what what is there, change our uh, train of thought. Yeah, this uh, I was surprised how quickly <laughs> this episode came and I was able to understand a lot more the Dark Romance song because I analyzed it and I tried to make my own version of it and I, I know that song a lot better than <laughs> other songs <laughs> and I wasn't able to get to know um, the Neon Light song as much. Well, it's a pretty easy song to know. It's, um, so yeah, if you want to, just give it a listen and I'm sure it'll uh, present itself to you. Yeah, we have to uh, have you on next month so uh, we can talk about the more symphonic song you're uh, working on. And uh, thanks for listening. We've gotten uh, a few comments over the last week, actually, which is cool to see uh, people actually uh, listen through it, not just like push play and stop listening to it. Yeah, it's cool to see people say that this last episode was pretty interesting and 
my father-in-law commented about this other little shooting star that's not really attached to any galaxies. It's going like quarter million miles an hour. Thank you for listening and talk to you later. Well, thanks for having me again. See ya. Yeah, talk to you later too. Bye. Later. Adrenaline rushing through me Douse the lights and give in to the stereo heart Beat now we're moving Feel the heat of the engine Take us to the neon lights so bright, yeah Running for the neon lights so opportunistic Neon lights so bright, yeah Living for the neon lights so far in the distance Ignite the Sky and take my body to the neon light. Let's make that feeling last. Go speeding to the final neon light. Is the highway pulling me from the deep and letting go? Misery, we are leaving fast enough so the past won't catch us. No, we won't stop till the neon light pollutes all the stars that never gave birth to what we wish for. Accelerate and believe in the city of neon lights so bright, yeah. Running for the neon lights so opportunistic. Neon lights so bright, yeah. Living for the neon lights so far in the distance. Ignite the lonely sky and take my body to the neon light. Let's make that feeling last. Go speeding to the final neon. So if you fall behind, I'll pull you back, make everything alright Sober not photographs, tonight we drive like we will never die So far in the distance Ignite the lonely sky And take my body to the neon light Let's make that feeling last Go speeding to the final neon light